You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the True University Podcast, where the truest thing about you is what God says about you. I am Steve Eden. I want to continue today talking about the true nature of God. This is a book that I'm currently working on, but wow, I mean, this is definitely a topic that even within the body of Christ really needs to be understood, developed, grown in, much less the world, but even the body of Christ. Sometimes I marvel at that. Uh, You know, Don Wheeler was on several weeks ago and we were talking about how is it we're still convincing the body of Christ God loves them. So it's, it's just something that we need to be growing in as far as the body of Christ, that God is approachable, he's trustable, he's lovable. Uh, and according to his revelation through Jesus Christ, he's not trying to kill anyone because there's this veil that hinders multitudes of people from seeing who God has revealed himself to be. A lot of times people even paint God as the mob boss, you know, the Godfather instead of the Heavenly Father uh, who will break your bones if you step out of line or or you owe him something. Um, pe- people have that mindset and they'll use scripture at times in the Old Testament to justify it, but here's the deal. Scripture itself tells you, I would even say this, the Lord tells you in and through scripture, if you wanna know his true nature, you need to look at Jesus Christ. So the problem is not that people don't have a view and perspective of God, it's that they have a wrong view and perspective of God. It's not that they don't have an opinion of what he's really like, it's just that they have a wrong opinion of what he's really like. So let's go back to John 14 and verse nine. I think you gotta start here. Uh, Jesus said, have I been with you so long, Philip, and yet you still don't know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Notice he did not say, if you've seen Moses, or you've seen 10 plagues, or you've seen 10 cities destroyed by an angel, then you've seen the Father. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And then he adds this statement in John chapter 10, verse 30, uh, that's well. I, I should say this is also recorded. Uh, this statement, John ten thirty, he says, "I and my Father are one." So people want to use Scripture to build a case for why God is drowning people in New Orleans, uh, sending hurricanes, tornadoes ripping through more Oklahoma in the Midwest because you know he's got a score to settle. Yet it is Scripture that tells us to look to Jesus Christ for the revelation of God's true nature. John chapter one, verse 17, listen to this. For while the law was given through Moses, grace, that's uh, undeserved favor, spiritual blessing. Jesus defines it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine, and uh, probably nine through 11. He defines grace as God's power, or literally his power, the strength of Christ. And it says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I was sharing with some people yesterday how the Old Testament, just look at it as it's based on a demand. God has these instructions. Here's the rules. Here's the demands. If you don't do them, then you don't get the payoff on this end. Could be blessing, could be cursing. In the New Covenant, God leads us by what he supplies. There's nothing he's instructing in the new covenant, love your neighbor, forgive, uh, be good, be kind, be hospitable, those kind of things, that he's not supplying you first. 
live out of the supply of God by the indwelling Holy Spirit in the new covenant, uh, not by a demand. In other words, do this or else. God's not saying that in the new covenant. He's brought you near through his son, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you so his spirit and his life and his word could live inside of you in union. And now you guys are living together. And out of that union with Christ as your roommate, he's supplying you the love to love others with. I would say it like this. He's loving you into loving. He's forgiven you into forgiving others. He's been so kind to you that kindness comes to you and then comes through you. That's how it works in the new covenant. Verse 18, John chapter one, no man has ever seen God at any time, but the only unique son, the only begotten God who's in the bosom of the father. The amplified says the one who's in the intimate presence of the father, he has declared him. He has revealed him to us. He has brought God out where he can be seen. He has interpreted him and he has made him known to us. Wow. So Jesus Christ came not only to reveal who we as humanity could be as offspring of God's spirit, spirit born sons and daughters. He came to reveal who God really is. He came to answer the questions we all had, and he came with a resounding answer that God not only means us well, he actually means to make us well, that he is approachable, he's trustable. You know, when people are growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't know if you've ever pondered this, what is actually growing? If someone's growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ, what is growing? I think first and foremost, they're growing in their knowing of who their heavenly father is. No one in the Old Testament called God Father. Then, I mean, they wouldn't even write his name, the scribes. It was that holy. God was just that set apart from them. But in the New Covenant, Jesus Christ, who says he and the Father are one, he shows up using this term, Abba, which you and I would interpret in English as Daddy. It's the most endearing father, uh, paternal name there is. And he's calling God Father. So he's saying in this prayer, they're saying, teach us to pray. We'll pray in this manner, our Father who art in heaven. In other words, God loves you. He's your heavenly Father. He's not the Godfather. Uh, he's all about family. And he wants you to see yourself as his children, as his offspring. And so we see this revelation revealed through Jesus Christ, God's perfect and personal revelation of himself. I say this a lot, but it's true. Don't give me some man's interpretation of who he thinks God is, especially when he's using tornadoes and earthquakes to define God. Give me God's revelation of himself. And he revealed himself perfectly and personally through Jesus Christ. That's what scripture teaches us. Now, if one, I'm going to give you this. If one were to read through the Old Testament, you can find instances where God's wrath was poured out. Death and destruction uh, did often follow unrepentant sin. And why wouldn't it? God hates sin because it's sand in the eye of every human made in his image. Sin is not good for us. So the Old Testament re reveals God's nature towards sin. He's not a big fan because it hurts humans and destroys our quality of living on this planet. But in the New Covenant, we see God's nature revealed uh, towards the sinner and that God desires to save, not destroy. 1 Peter 3, 7, John chapter 12, Jesus said that. John chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus said that again. I mean, there's just countless instances there in the New Covenant. Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 56, uh, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy men's lives, I came to save them. And he's the true nature of God. 
<clears throat> so when you read those things in the Old Testament, is it the total picture? No, it's not because God was gracious enough to answer the question we all needed him to answer. Father, who are you at your core? How do you really see us? Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. This is the NIV. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So God is dealing with mankind in the past, you know, the Old Testament and some of those things, through the prophets, through various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us, listen to this, through his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Verse three, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Did you hear that? The son, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of God's being. This is how he's speaking to us through his son. His son shows up and said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Jesus did not put earthquakes on people, cancer on people, diabetes on people. He didn't tell Peter when Peter wouldn't pray with him for one hour in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. He did not say, Peter, because you didn't pray one hour with me, I made your mother-in-law sick again with fever. Uh, you have no one to blame but yourself. Jesus didn't do things like that. Jesus demonstrated the love, the joy, the peace, all the fruit of the Spirit that we see that becomes now this offer to have intimate relationship with the living God. Wow, that's so powerful. So he's the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So notice here in Hebrews 1, God is expressing himself. He is speaking to humanity through his son. And then verse three, of course, the exact representation of his being. And this is so plain. And there's so many scriptures. I still have more. I haven't even shared with you yet. It's so plain. You have to have help to miss it. The problem is we've had a lot of help in missing this <laughs> because it's not just the world that's painted pictures of, well, God is, you know, violent and angry and he's mad at everybody. Uh, the church is, has done that. You ever been down to Bricktown or maybe the Texas State Fair, different places? You got people with bullhorns yelling at people that they're all going to burn in hell because of their sin, so they should quit sinning. Well, let me tell you something. This is a little nugget for you. People cannot quit sinning apart from the Spirit of Christ moving in them and then empowering them over sin. Romans 6.14, sin shall not have dominion over you anymore because you're not under the law of self-effort. You're under grace. you got to have the grace and power of God to stop sinning. So sinners have to come to Christ just as they are. They cannot quit sinning and all of a sudden be holy without the what? The Holy One, the Holy Spirit on the inside empowering him to do it. So just a little free nugget for you there. Uh, in case you're one of those that likes to yell at all the sinners to change their behavior so God will accept them. That, that's just wrong, what's the word, interpretation of Scripture. This is the new covenant. He's going to take them as they are, and then once he goes to work on the inside, like 11, Matthew 13, 33, he'll go to work on their mindsets, their thought life, their behavior, and their will. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 
verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? He has reconciled you to himself through Jesus Christ. Not going to one day if you're good enough. No, he's already done it through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, which is this, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them, and now he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. My goodness, the Lord, we we are so reconciled to God, he gave us the ministry of reconciling others. See, again, he leads by what he supplies. He's not gonna ask you to go reconcile others without you being reconciled, right? That wouldn't work very well if you went door to door and, you know, or let's say you're in 7-Eleven, you're talking to this gentleman, having some coffee and saying, hey, have you been reconciled to God? Jesus Christ has made the way for God and us to be reconciled. Are you reconciled? And his response is, well, Uh, You know, I'm not sure. Are you reconciled? And then we say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm reconciled. I mean, I was when I started today, but I I think I've made a few mistakes. So I'm probably not reconciled anymore. I mean, he's not going to want what you're offering. You don't even know if you're reconciled. But I'm saying out of scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, you are so reconciled to Christ, to God through Christ, that he's given you now the ministry of reconciling others. Now, let me really blow your mind with this. The word re is a prefix, means uh, again, to do again, to go back. Consile is where we get the word consolidate. So when the baker consolidates your debt, he makes it all what? One payment. So when you reconcile something, you make something one again. God was in Christ making the world one with himself again just like it was in the Garden of Eden. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know what to say at this point. I just feel like praying in the Spirit. I'm so excited on the the inside. God has made us one with himself through Jesus Christ, and he did this at the cross at Golgotha. Now, it has to be received, okay? I'm not saying everybody is saved, everybody's born again. No, God uh, doesn't force himself into anybody, what was I going to say there that uh, you can't have love without a choice and God is love. So he gives you the choice to receive. It's not a kingdom of a demand. It's an offer. But uh, everything that's needed to be provided and paid for, our sin, all that stuff for our oneness has already been paid for in Jesus Christ. Now we just receive him, receive the gift. Have you ever wondered where God was that day Jesus was being crucified? I mean, all this bad stuff's happening to his son. Well, according to verse 19, God was where? In Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Where was he that day? He was in Christ that day. And guess where you were when Christ was being crucified? You were in Christ as well. Paul writes uh, several times, Galatians, Romans uh, chapter 6, that we've been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, Romans chapter 6. We were crucified in Christ. So not only was God in Christ that day at Golgotha, at Calvary, you and I were in Christ as well. That's where he brought the two of us together in his son. 
God met you and me and the rest of fallen humanity in his son, Jesus Christ, there to reconcile us to himself, provide everything that would be needed for us by faith to receive our oneness with him. 1 Corinthians six seventeen. whoever's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So I encourage you today by the spirit, by the admonishment of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God to God. So there it is. We were rejoined to God in Christ, reunited to God in Christ, reconciled to God in Christ, restored to our oneness with God in Christ. Just receive it by faith. Don't live for uh, a oneness to occur. Live from the oneness that's already been provided. Boy, that's so powerful. Live not for God's love. Live from God's love. Don't do good works to be saved. Do good works because you are saved. Don't do good works or go to church or sing in the choir Uh, so that you can be made one with God. Do it because you've already been made one with God and you're grateful and you're living out that reality. So God's true nature then is to save us, not destroy us. We see this in Jesus Christ. God would rather see sinners today restored and made right with him rather than buried beneath a great swath of judgment. Uh, Jesus Christ has revealed this reality to us. This is just a powerful truth. God would rather see sinners restored than destroyed. So let's just self-check here. If you'd rather see all the sinners wiped out, maybe you'd, you'd like to see all the Democrats wiped out or all the Republicans wiped out, sinners judged and destroyed rather than saved, then you may not have the true nature of uh, the perspective of God's true nature that's been revealed through Jesus Christ. Listen to Luke 9, 51. It came to pass when Jesus had come uh, to be received up that he set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans, the half-breeds. You know, Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. Verse 53. But they didn't receive him because his face was set to go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw that the Samaritan village rejected having Jesus come and teach. They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and kill them all like Elijah did? Can we just have fire burn them all to a crisp? Isn't that interesting? They're even citing Old Testament reference here that they can uh, justify their anger against these sinner Samaritan people. Verse 55, But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and he said, You don't know what manner of spirit you are right now. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so they went on to another village. This statement is crucial because Jesus came on assignment to reveal the true nature of God. James and John did what so many Christians today do. They cited Old Testament heroes and passages to justify actions of anger towards sinners. Look at Peter. I mean, he whips out his sword and cuts a guy's ear off. What's Jesus do? Puts it back on and heals the guy. How many times has the Lord had to come behind an angry church, mad at the world, chopping people's ears off in judgment and fear and had to come alongside and heal and restore. God forbid, Lord, let us get your heart. Let us understand the Father's true nature that's at work within each one of us. The same grace that was offered to us, Lord, not comes just to us, but comes through us, and we offer your grace and reconciliation to others. So Jesus rebukes him here in Luke chapter 9, saying unequivocally, that grace is being extended to the lost during this dispensation. 
now is not the time of God's wrath in this dispensation. I find it interesting in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, when he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to preach good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, heal the sick, liberty the captives, year of jubilee, and all that. He's reciting Isaiah chapter 61. He's quoting verse 1 through 3. But he left off the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus did not recite that when he was quoting Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Now, if he's willing to leave off God's wrath for another day, well, I think you and I can do it. Anyway, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not even saying don't speak truth to people. People do need the truth, but speak it in love. Don't, don't rail on people to change or stop sinning or flee their sinful sexual lifestyle because it uh, grates you and your belief system the wrong way. Share the truth with them that that lifestyle is deadly and deep inside they want to be happy and you want to be happy. And guys, there's only one way to be happy on this planet, and that's to live the way, the truth, and the life that our Creator lined out for us. Look at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus starts each of those verses, around verse 3 through 12, he starts with the same word, it's blessed. And if you look that word up, blessed, it means happy. Uh, joyous to be envied. Jesus is telling people, you want to be happy, be poor in spirit, be humble. You want to be happy, mourn for others in their loss and distress. You want to be happy, hunger and thirst for righteousness. He tells us how to be happy. People may not always be looking for truth around you. Maybe your coworkers or your classmates or whoever, but I tell you what they are looking for. They want to be happy. So you don't have to grade on them Look down your nose at them about the sin in their life. That sin will kill them. So look on them with compassion, with love, and that you desire for them to be happy just like they do, and so you're sharing truth with them. It's that simple. I just think it's wild that the body of Christ, I hear so many stories, well, that guy was mean to me. Boy, he didn't want to hear what I had to say, and we go away feeling sorry for ourselves. Why don't we cry for the ones that are rejecting truth? They're the broken ones. They're the ones with the real pain. You walk away because your ego was damaged? My goodness. You didn't wake up for you today. You woke up to be light and salt. You, you woke up to bear witness of his great name, not for everybody to treat you right and talk to you right and say nice things about you. <laughs> it's just time, time we mature and grow up in Christ. All right, let me say this and we'll conclude. Just because it's in the Bible somewhere doesn't mean it applies to right now. There could be different covenants at work, different dispensations and intentions that we need to dig through in order to find God's true meaning and purpose. And then I say that on the tail end of Luke 9 because James and John cited Elijah. They wanted to consume and burn all the Samaritans to a crisp because they wouldn't accept Jesus. Uh, and Jesus rebuked them. So we need to be aware. What covenant are we in? What's the dispensation we're in? What's the offer on the table? Guys, the offer on the table right now, come to God. He's approachable. He's lovable. He's trustable. And he's made himself clearly known, his true nature, through his loving son who gave his own life for us, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for everybody listening today. And Lord, I just thank you for the seed of the word. This won't be stolen, but Lord, we'll respond to this in uh, oneness with you, in a love relationship, in intimacy with you, that Lord, we can also give that away, model that, share that, 
embody that to those around us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Have a great day, everybody.